Okay, guys, welcome. Thanks for coming into the city. Well, up from downtown. <laughs> yeah, thanks for having us. Mainly thanks for having us. That was for yeah, 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 thank yeah. <laughs> Did you, you found the place already? Well, I got there a little late and had to use the 407, but that's the, the joys of the GTA. That explains the housing prices. You went all the way to the 407 and down. Yeah, because I, I had to go to River Oaks, pick up a key. And then when oh, I looked so, yeah, at the map, I was like, okay. It was like an hour and 30, or but it was like under an hour on the 407, so. Okay, good. Um, our big branch partners out in Oakville for Berkshire Hathaway Home Services. How's it going so far? Good, yeah, good, yeah. I mean, uh, definitely like a, a, a like very fun experience so far. Um, I think, uh, you know, it was a number of things for us. It was obviously the first opportunity to like kind of work with an office. Uh, it was a, a change of brand. Uh, it was a brand that um, I think we knew a lot about because of who the parent brand is. Um, but you know, getting a chance to work you know, on the inside, we'd only ever worked uh, at Remax before. Um, so yeah, I think it was a whole bunch of things all at once. Um, you know, growing uh, the office, uh, you know, growing members of the support team. So yeah, it was uh, definitely uh, a lot more different than I think we wrote it up. Um, we had but a long so conversation. The conversation was probably. I don't know, a year? We were probably talking to you guys for a year. Yeah, a couple, yeah, a few, a few meetings over a year. And I think, I think, you know, when we first were considering it, I think we were certainly aware of Blue Elephant, the presence that you guys had in Toronto, mm -hmm. uh, the type of brokerage that you were. Uh, we were always, I think, impressed with, uh, you know, public facing what you were putting out and, and uh, just how you were running things with regards to, you know, your websites and how agents are featured and whatnot the marketing and aspect. marketing exactly and uh certainly was something to you know strive towards so i think that matched well and then as duncan mentioned with regards to you know the name berkshire hathaway there's certainly a lot of cachet behind that a lot of presence uh certainly in the u.s and it's growing here in canada and uh most certainly like the values that that it really associates itself with right um and a lot of trust integrity and whatnot so i think those were all pretty important for us and then Certainly growing uh, an office has been challenging in its own way, uh, but it seems like we're getting there. Yeah, it definitely comes with its challenges, right? <laughs> it's, a, it's a change in industry and you have to adapt and uh, you guys are doing a great job. Like you guys have become a huge asset for us, right? It'd be a great addition to the, to the, uh, to the company. And, uh, but let's get into you guys. Let's stop talking about us, let's talk about <laughs> you guys. So let's talk, you guys have come from much different backgrounds, right? Coaching. Mm -hmm. Long uh, history in coaching and sales as well, uh, and accounting background. So yeah. why don't we start with you, Duncan? Tell us about your background and uh, and you know how you got into real estate, but how you're utilizing the skill set from your coaching and previous sales days uh, in doing what you do today. Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I think actually it starts honestly with uh, how how we got connected in that like we met each other when my family moved to where my parents still live. Uh, and we had grade five. Yeah, grade five. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you guys yeah. went like yeah. through elementary, yeah, elementary, elementary we met, school, yeah, we, high school. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we met in grade five, and then uh, we were uh, like you know, friends through middle school, and then through high school and everything. And um, I think it was uh, kind of a conversation that you know you probably have when you're younger with like a bunch of our buddies. Oh, it'd be kind of cool to, like work together. And then you know you start university, and everyone goes different directions. Uh, I had always coached hockey. I started when I was twelve or thirteen years old did that for 16 years in Oakville and uh, kind of was really into that got into the, the, the highest level, the, uh, the AAA level, was also involved with the Ontario Junior A, which is like the second high, highest level for junior underneath the OHL, uh, was kind of 
planning to kind of pursue that as having some good success. Uh, the only downside is they don't pay very well in hockey, which is why I've met so many of my hockey contacts are now real estate agents. Because eventually, uh, either the players or the coaches or all the people involved, eventually, like, there's just not a lot of money to be made um, outside of, you know, some of the higher leagues. Um, but it, it's a good training ground for, for a lot of things. and uh, As well as building a network. Well, that's what it really came down to, is once I decided I was kind of done with hockey and um, I, I had a really large, weird network of people in Oakville, I'd coach three different age groups. So three different age groups were the parents uh, growing up there. Uh, always kind of done sales jobs, not by choice, just kind of by, you know, like you should do this. And it also, you, frankly, it had the flexibility where I could hit the numbers I needed to hit and then spend lots of time coaching hockey. Mm -hmm. um, so that's probably how I got into that. And I think it was a couple people that uh, I had, there were parents through hockey that were mentors to me and, and my own parents. They were like, you should look at real estate. What I didn't know at the time was that's the career that a lot of people drift to and they're like well nothing else is working so why don't you try real estate and maybe that might hit um, but it weirdly was it was a good fit of uh, um, because I'd come from an environment where you work on the weekends and stuff at night and um, you know the hours for real estate were the same um, it was just tapping into networks that I already had established uh, I just didn't know anything about houses um, but I learned pretty quickly it's a sales job and all that things can be learned and you can assemble teams of people that are experts in all the different fields and um, you know, but it was, and it was about a year in, uh, with Andrew. <clears throat> and I'll, I'll talk about myself, a quick, funny story with regards to Duncan. Uh, he's always been a natural sales salesman. And even before he got into real estate, he can talk, he can talk. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and he's, he has a ton of connections that he's met through hockey. Uh, but to the point where I think one time he was telling everyone in our, our, our friend group, he's like, Oh yeah, I have like 20,000 contacts in my my phone like, and we're like come on like, that's ridiculous right and then he pulled out his phone and sure enough like you know everyone he meets along the way put him in the phone right add him to social or whatever that's it may be incredible. and it's actually like a really good a really good uh you know way to do things and but it was like how is that possible and he truly does have like yeah. twenty thousand people in his phone so you know he was already ready to go from a from a contact network standpoint to to start off in real estate but uh, yeah a bit about myself um I, uh, I went to like business school and thought I wanted to kind of go out and become, uh, you know, get somewhere into like accounting finance and eventually build a business. And so through that, I, I worked at a, like one of the big four accounting firms, got my CA and was doing that for about six years. And for me, there was a lack of balance between, uh, you know, using the analytical side of things that I learned through that process and being in front of clients. And my personality, I think, suited that balance a little more than my, my, my current What job was your offering. focus when you were there? So I was, I, I, I did three it was, years. Was it Deloitte? Uh, it was KPMG, KPMG. KPMG. So I did three years uh, in like an audit function. Yeah. And, uh, fun. But I, yeah, fun. And I was working on clients that were fairly significant in size. But what that then brought with it was, you know, you might be looking at things from like a really high level uh, in terms of like you're looking at this section of the, the business and you're not really getting a grasp of the entire business and how everything works together and whatnot, which is probably something that was more appealing to me. And then from there, I went into another group that focused on like business valuations and how that functioned with certain accounting related uh, concepts. And so there was some good value actually out of that in that, you know, a lot of things we talked about were comparables and, uh, you know, diff different types of comparables, that being. But, uh, you know, all in all, it was probably an area where 
I think the balance between being with your clients and being uh, in front of people wasn't there for my own personal mm -hmm. taste. And so I had always wanted to use the CA at some point to build a business. And, uh, you know, just so happened, Duncan had got into real estate a year before. We were very close friends. Through that process, I was learning a lot about what he'd been doing. And there seemed to be a lot of uh, logical fit there just with that, you know, the business and accounting background would be credible with potentially new clients. There'd be an opportunity from a For network sure. standpoint There's as well. a lot of credibility, Yeah, right? exactly. It's an easier, <clears throat> maybe easier step or leap. Because it's not to, your standard uh, realtor. A hundred percent. And I, you know, I, I think like I, I certainly, um, get on well with my clients, of course, and have uh, a good uh, rapport with them all. But I certainly, from a sales standpoint, lack some of the, I think, some of the traditional sales uh, experience that Duncan had. So that that was a good thing for us each to have a bit of balance with our experience. Uh, and so, I, yeah, I joined Duncan about a year on that he was in, and it just made a lot of sense. And we have him right at Remax right from the beginning. Yeah, and, and, and how we ended up there was... Uh, because it was before Andrew, and, and so, you know, growing up in Oakville, like, there's lots of big real estate agents and everything. So, um, but, I don't know, I think it's just all having maybe the sports background, like, you, and, 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 you know, I can obviously speak to hockey very well for this, but, like, you know, just because uh, an organization's at a particular level does not mean it's run very well. And there is something to be said for the amount of talent that a brokerage can handle. And so what I did is I did like an extra, I just wrote down every real estate agent I could think of. And it was like, not that I knew how they perform, but I based it on, you know, do I see their signs, their bus ads, all the things that you kind of think of. And this is again, so this is 2013. So like social media isn't what it is now. Um, and, and there wasn't as many options back then. And then, uh, so I wrote them all down. And I looked at the brokerages that they were on. Then I realized they all, I learned through the real estate courses that everyone has to be part of a brokerage. So I figured out which brokerages all these people sat at. And uh, there, there was one, uh, Remax About Town, that really like stepped out in, in Oakville. And then uh, I think I talked to 10 different brokerages when I interviewed because I wanted to learn you know, what is it they're looking for and everything else. And I think it was the uh, first two I realized that I thought I was being interviewed, but I didn't realize um, they were big, you know, two minutes in, they're like, you're amazing. You'll be so good at this. And yeah. I was like, how? And then I was like, oh, no, no, they so need me to, to join. The and, yeah, so then I, then I started to learn more about how the brokerage model went. I was like, oh, God, okay, I'm just like a body and anyone can get hired. Um, so ironically enough, I left Remax about town to the very end. And then by that point, I'd done nine. So I was pretty confident of like, okay, how this is going to go. And uh, what I found out after the fact is uh, at the time, they didn't hire new agents. So I think I went in there and I was pretty confident with like the network I had in Oakville. And I know I fit into a bit of a weird category because I was younger, but I had this weird giant network of people yeah. that owned homes in Oakville. 20,000 to be exact. Yeah. And so I had this. And I also came into the meeting a little, uh, I wouldn't say like overconfident, but I kind of thought that like, um, you know, I was going to be interviewing them because that had been my experience. And, and, and early on, the, the manager, Doug, who was you know, a mentor to us over the years there, um, it was different. And I was like, oh. So I found it after the fact. Well, I was the first new agent they'd hired in a long time to the point where people were upset with the uh, broker owner about that. Um, and then obviously we, you know, relatively quickly, you know, my first year was, you know, okay. And then Andrew joined and, and everything was fine from there. But... Um, I remember when, remember when, I think it was the first day, um, uh, it was like maybe like 11, 11.30 in the morning, and I remember we were sitting in one of the boardrooms there, and Andrew's like, so what, 
do we do? <laughs> <laughs> like, what do we yeah. do? Like, when, who's, yeah. like, who tells us That's what true. to do? No, I mean, I came from a, an environment where it's, you know, here's your, here's, here's your tasks, your projects. It's like, okay, it kind of sets it apart. This is what you got to focus on and everything. So it was an adjustment to come into an environment where it's like, okay, I have to, like, think of who to call and what to do each day. And so it was definitely uh, a change, but... Well, but to Andrew's credit, I remember like one of the things you had to do, like at any brokerage, you do like, you know, new agent training. And, uh, you know, this was really early days of uh, like the explosion, like now where everyone works everywhere. Like I remember yeah. like, you know, we had, we ended up selling this house a couple of years later, but we had a friend's uh, parent's house in Caledon. And our brokerage was like, no, 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 you don't work that area. You find an agent, a local expert, they'll refer it. So we're like, okay. So, but I remember Andrew did the training and... That's uh, very true for Oakville. Like, it's very oh, closed, yeah. right? It was, yeah. yeah. You Back put then, a 416 I mean, number up on a sign or a brand they don't recognize and you get phone calls. It's like, who are you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, and yeah, and, and so I think, I mean, it's definitely changed now, but I just remember Andrew doing the, the course on, or the class on uh, comping houses. And this is one of the things that I know I wanted to work with Andrew for because of his, like, analytical background. Mm. And he was, like, very opposed to how they were explaining it, where basically you just arbitrarily pick a couple houses and you're like, I am the expert and these are the comps, period, full stop, with very little data looked at. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember you were like, <laughs> this is the job? Like they didn't, they, don't, they didn't look at anything. They just picked a house that looked similar and said, okay, that's what it's worth. Yeah, it certainly, it certainly felt like uh, people were being veered a certain way, I guess. And uh, you're pulling out spreadsheets and graphs. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. I was, I was kind of geeking out with some spreadsheets yeah. and like, hey, let's like, you know, you take some time to refine your skills as to how far back you go and where, you know, how far of a radius you go around the house. But we were kind of maybe going a little overboard at the beginning. But then, it, you know, for, for me, it was, uh, you know, into a new industry. You want to do as much that you can to learn and, and figure it out. So, yeah, we were probably maybe over spreadsheeting what we were doing. But, but you're, uh, you're both pretty analytical, right? Because even like yeah. we, we've noticed, so you're, you guys analyze everything and it, it's great, but you come from the accounting background and actually uh, auditing for a while. Yeah. And then you're coaching, you're constantly, you know, uh, analyzing where your team's at and where they need to be going, what's going wrong and, and figuring out a better approach to things. And, and that's why you guys approach the team now. Definitely. Right? Yeah. So talk to me about accountability for you guys. Like one of the thing, reasons why Blair and I instantly liked you guys, it reminded of, of ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. we, we, we both got our license and we just started working together instantly. And it was, whether it was a business relationship there or not, and I said this to you when we were talking previously to mm -hmm. the start in this, um, just have an accountability partner to bounce things off of. To go in day in, day out and, and showing up and having someone there to, to discuss things with and, and work on projects with. Like again, like a lot of, a lot of agents are so opposed to having partners, mm -hmm. but they think of it as a business relationship where it could be just you know, having someone to rely on, right? So tell me about the dynamics between the two of you and what each takes care of. Well, I think that's honestly really evolved. Yeah. Uh, and I think like us being friends, you know, has been good and bad. Like I think if it's a strictly a business relationship first and then there's a friendship that typically will happen after the fact, um, you still know where it started, right? Mm -hmm. Where ours is like a different history in that like, you know, we know, we don't have to talk about like, oh, this time this happened because usually the other one was at that. So like, it's already kind of a shared history from all the way through through. high school. Yeah. And, and even though we went to like different post-secondary, but, um, you know, still it, so much overlap. So I think that, um, you know, it took us a while to be able to separate the two. 
um, and, and kind of adapt to our skill sets in that I think we tried to both treat each other the same. Um, and it took a while to realize that we actually, you know, even though we have so many commonalities, we are, we are different. And then we allow, and then once we started to realize, okay, you know, Andrew's strong at this, I'm strong at this, and then we started to kind of put more focus on those areas, it, it allowed for, like, definitely more growth. Um, because I think, honestly, a lot of times it's like something would happen and we just didn't want to say anything to the other one. Yeah, it, took, yeah, it takes a bit of time to uh, adjust to, like, how do you communicate in a different in a different box than you were before, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, I think we're, we're very good now at being able to speak openly about if something comes up and either of us has a question, it's like, okay, like, you know, how are we going to work through this, right? Um, but I think even initially when we got into real estate, it was like a massive benefit to have one another because I think it's the type of industry where you could just, Easy. you know, be fed to the wolves and it's like you go and try to figure it out, right? Yeah. So, like, I, I was the beneficiary of the fact that Duncan had already been the, in the business for a year. I could tap into him for, like, okay, how do we do this? How do we do that? Uh, and then beyond that, you know, as we were growing our business, we had each other to lean on. Um, you know, from the beginning in terms of like, okay, let's go to a show and like it's an appointment together and this yeah. and that. Exactly. Huge, huge advantage. Benefit. Huge advantage. And we see other agents, so we've seen other agents along the way that uh, if, you, if you don't have that support system. You just hit a, you hit a ceiling, right? You the, hit a the ceiling. Lone, the lone yeah. wolf mentality in this business. You, you hit a ceiling and it's hard to break through that ceiling, right? On your, on, by yourself. There's only so much time in the day, exactly. for one, yeah. and there's only so much capacity in your brain to, you know, think of certain situations that you may or may not have been through already. And so to bounce ideas off each other is great. And then, uh, you know, certainly from the standpoint of like trying to run an office and grow that now, there's obviously different elements that come into that too, that uh, I think having the history that we do, it's, it's a benefit for us. Yeah. yeah, I can see both ways too, because Blair and I were different in the sense that we met each other because of business. Right. And we're business partners first and then became good friends. Yeah. Right. So yeah. different dynamics, but it's, yeah, it's interesting. Well, I think like even early on, I remember like, you know, you know, because eventually you're going to have some sort of conflict if you're working with someone like every day, but then it would be like, but we're going to the same thing at night, <laughs> so we can't be too upset. She's <laughs> like, well, I'll see you in an hour, yeah. right? So I think it took uh, it took some time to like, and I think it's when we started to grow the team, uh, whether it was like our first admin or um, you know even uh, Dan, who's been with us uh, for five years now, um, that. <clears throat> That's when we really like we had to kind of adapt a bit because it was more than just uh, the two of us at that point. I can tell you, whenever conflict arises between friends working together like that, it usually comes down to just a lack of communication. Right? Oh, oh, absolutely, right? yeah. Just not yeah. communicating what you're really thinking or feeling. Yeah. And because you're being protective of that relationship, right, and it ends up backfiring on you. So. Yeah, I think I think I, neither of us would ever want to risk our friendship and and the, the history that we have. Um, but the challenge is you, you have to have some difficult conversations sometimes that uh, you have to, sure. we have to be direct too, yeah. right? Yeah. 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 Blair and I have only been in a few fights, but uh, one of them was the dandy where we almost got kicked out of our bar, but I'll tell you that one <laughs> offline. <laughs> um, where are we at here? So, um, you know, we, we take a different approach to the brokerage world. We, we, we've talked about this many times together, even before you guys joined us. Um, the brokerage industry the brokerage model, the, the relationship between the agents and the brokers is really 
been compromised over the last few decades, right? And we're making a big effort to try to put that service back into that relationship. I don't want to just process your deals and answer your phones. We're, we're trying to really help you guys with the back-end support. Um, and one of the appealing things for you guys, you guys are taking what we're doing and you're taking it and you're putting it on steroids, right? Like <laughs> your, your, your program that you have for your agents at your office is, uh, is pretty, pretty heavy. So why don't we talk about that? Yeah, Duncan, you want to start? Well, I think like, we're what's your goal? What do you what are you trying to achieve? Um, what do you, what do you want to take care of, and what do you want the agents focusing on? Yeah, I th I think like the weird thing is like um, I know Andrew and I both enjoy like history, but like you know when we you know new industry, you learn a lot about real estate, and then eventually you get to like well, how did it used to be, and how did this even start, and how all those sort of things, and then when you realize like things come full circle, and then I think you you have an industry that uh, typically has been a bit of a lagger with a lot of things. So it's evolved slowly, but I think like, you know, we felt um, that there was a real gap that had formed where um, brokerages used to be, and you know, forget the split talk, because you can talk about that all day, but effectively brokerages used to be a place you had to go every day. And if you had 20 agents, you had 20 desks, and that's how many agents you had. You had a broker record, and uh, you had some obviously some admin staff, and everyone was there every day, and they talk about listings, and uh, you know the early days of the multiple listing service, and 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 basically everything uh, kind of stayed the same for a while until the internet came in, and you know business people are business people, and I think once brokerages recognized that, wait a minute, I you know I only have 20 desks, but now I can have 40 agents. 60 agents and 80 agents like the model is going to change because you know I can charge a desk fee or I can charge you know depending on how they want to do it but the reality is like you created a scenario where you don't need people to come to a location every day because now the information is available to them anywhere and then the, all the brokerages kind of just it, I think it all exploded from there um, and then I think that um, you know that COVID moment um, that, you know, obviously had a lot of effect, but I remember, you know, being on a call with uh, the family at the time that uh, owned Remax Integra that obviously had built quite something uh, spectacular off of that. Um, and, and it was, I remember leaving that call and talking to Andrew afterwards going like, what, what exactly are we getting? <laughs> because I think, you know, you knew that with most of the bigger brands, um, you get an unbelievable brand. And, and I think like, you know, we were, you know, uh, you know, we're always happy to work with Remax because ultimately you tell someone you work at Remax, they're like, oh, you sell real estate and the reputation of Remax agents, good, perfect. That's, mm -hmm. that's what you're paying for. But then you realize like that's all you're paying for. Sure, you have access to a bunch of programs that don't really work that well, that are clunky, uh, that are typically super Americanized, so they don't even really apply up here. But you don't need to worry about that anyways. You're, you're there because that's where you need to be and that's where you have to have a license. Um, what really intrigued us is, and I think it's just the ecosystem of Oakville, was these like mega teams. So like every area anywhere that has organized real estate, there's always gonna be one or two big players. Uh, the community that, that we grew up in, uh, there's a there's more because there's there's just a more higher end product, so it can, can support more groups of bigger teams. And because of our age, um, we were getting approached by these big teams to join them. And so it was kind of really learning about like these mega teams and uh, you know how they worked and everything else. And and we were really fortunate. There's some excellent agents uh, that are were out of our old office so that we got a chance to work with, and they knew what they were doing. But what we realized really quickly is like they didn't 
create anything new. They just took on what the brokerages used to be, where they offered support. That's exactly. And then, you know, why are they dominating in the marketplace? Because they built out all the support. Uh, and that lets their agents focus on just selling. So once we realized that we didn't want to be working under someone else's name and having all of our marketing dollars go towards promoting a team leader, uh, we realized pretty quickly that we're like, well, we have to build it uh, ourselves. I think that's how it started. Yeah, and I think I think um, I think we also saw you know a lot of agents who were successful in our office, but perhaps were towards the latter part of their career, and they they had this lifestyle imbalance that I think we wanted to avoid. So we saw the success of the, these larger teams and the support they had, and then we saw some of these other agents who might have been highly successful, but they were stressed out of their mind, like running around, like, you know, who knows if they you know, had any downtime with their family, all this stuff, yeah. we're kind of like, okay, we want to have that level of success, but we think there's a smarter way, and yeah, how, yourself can, doing it. how can we push it forward? And obviously, like, grow, you know, through growth, there's obviously a lot of pain, there's a lot of challenges. But uh, at the end of the at the end of the tunnel, there is there something that could really be like a well balanced uh, like organization and team that will support our own business and have the potential to be repetitive and help support other people. And I think even Duncan hit the nail on the head. Like we met with all these big teams, and there's this like kind of element of like, okay, come join this team, do all this work for us. But then there's this split conversation where it's like you know a huge chunk of it goes to the team even off of your own business, your own leads, how does that make any sense to us? And like, you know, there's an element of growing your business, getting taught things, but we felt pretty confident in ourselves that we didn't need that. And so we're like, you know, we could, we could probably do this ourselves. Um, but that being said, we also realized with like the younger generation, people want to be the star of their own show as well, just like us. And so that was a huge part of like our decision to, you know, grow and instead of just growing our team, the idea of the office and growing the Oakville, the Oakville branch, it's great because we can bring on people who can be the star of their own show, but benefit from the support that we're trying to create that we have, have witnessed being successful in so many different areas. It's good. So. It's nice to hear it. It's funny. I've had this conversation with a number of team leads that, uh, as of late, that they come, you know, they call me because they're disappointed because an agent left them. You know, the agent wanted to go spread their own wings. They yeah. started making $400,000 a year or whatever, they, yeah. you know, hitting some nice numbers, and they felt like they could do it on their own, so that they leave, and then the team team leads upset. And, and oftentimes, I don't think it's just about the money. I think it's about, like you just said, wanting to spread their own wings and mm -hmm. put their face on things. And sure. I, I, think, uh, I think team leads really need to analyze that right now and do what you guys are doing, which is making the agents the focal point, making, putting your agents out there, not just the face of the team leader or mm -hmm. the name of the team leader, but really putting the agents out there so um, they can get some recognition and, and you know, the, if the leads keep coming and they keep closing them and they're making the money they're making, I think they'll be happy. Well, I think like, it, the, the other thing which, because um, again, we talked about, Andrew touched on when you're talking about lifestyle. I think the one thing that's clear is like, if you don't want to work really hard, you shouldn't do real estate. Yeah. You know, there's and, and I think the, the misconception is with some of the especially the bigger team leads is, you know, they have done it for years and, you know, maybe they financially benefited so they, they, they would appear to live this lifestyle that's, you know, pretty high flying and people wanna emulate that. Um, and then again what Andrew touched on the of the agents that don't wanna have any support, so they're running around like crazy. Like the secret the team leaders have figured out is they're all extremely hardworking people and they've just carved out all the stuff they don't want to do with a job and hired people to do it. 
and it allows them to do what they're good at, which is usually sales. And they work really hard and they work, they still work weekends. And I think like, you know, the agents that think they'll build this business where it's not going to be seven days a week and they can just check in and out, like, you know, that just doesn't really exist because it's sales and there's no sales job on the planet that exists that way. What, what it is though, is building out the structure to allow salespeople to do why they become salespeople because salespeople are a weird group of people and real estate agents as salespeople is even weirder because that's even that's probably the, the least amount of discipline you'll have in the sales discipline um, are usually real estate agents and I think that, again the way the brokerage model evolved which is where I think a lot of the stress comes from is like you know salespeople anywhere are not good at admin work um, you know, any sales organization, like they're set up, they're, they're all set up the exact same way for a reason, except for real estate, which tells their salespeople, oh, you're also your COO, you're also your CFO, you're all, and they say, you know, it's a big honor. I think even some of the big real estate coaches, uh, one in particular, I think he does a video where he's taking different hats on and off. Um, but the reality is like, there's no business anywhere where you can sustain yourself doing every single role. So I think the secret to the mega teams across the city is they work really hard, they've earned what they've gotten, but they also figured out years ago, I'm just gonna do the things I enjoy doing and that's where my focus is gonna be every day and I'm gonna love waking up every morning and I don't view this as a job or a work or a career, this is just what I like to do. And I think that's what we were trying to figure out, is there a new version of that where you don't have to work underneath someone, you know, someone else's name. So define that for me. What, what um, you know, based on your service offering, what you're trying to provide for the agents, what is it you expect of them? What do you like? Define that for me. What, what do you want them focused on? Prospect, writing deals. Writing deals. Shaking hands, signing contracts. Yeah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I know you say, you say, I've heard you say it that way, but yeah, effectively that's, and honestly, that's where, you know, we'd always like, um, you know, obviously there's an Oakville connection with, uh, you know, some of the people that, when you guys were Blue Elephant, so we'd always keep an eye on that. I think there was the day you guys launched Berkshire Hathaway, we happened to have it up on our TV and uh, an agent walked by and looked in and. She was like, oh, are you guys going there? And we we're like, no, no, no. Like, we know, like, uh, <laughs> we, we know, like, the, the guys there. And actually, she knew one of the families that's involved because she had actually helped them move. Um, and, uh, you know, like I said, it was kind of all happening around the same time. And the one thing that we couldn't figure out, which is where you guys had, had it with Blue Elephant, and I, and I know obviously took it further with Berkshire, was uh, from a tech standpoint and, like, the, the digital side. Um, and that's where we felt like, okay, this is, you know, there's a good mix here of like, um, you know, scalable digital uh, offerings to agents. And then, you know, then it left us with filling, finding the people that are good at, at, at executing that. And then again, it gets back to the agents, just prospect and, you know, work on deals. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think it's very easy for agents to get in their own way. Like when you're working on your business, it's very easy to distract yourself with non-client facing yep. uh, activities for sure and overthink it and overthinking it and like like and it's funny like we you know, spoke to instead of just getting out there right? getting out there and, and you spoke to accountability accountability before but like i know duncan and myself and with our team like we have accountability daily calls about like hey what's the plan for today like who are we uh you know each reaching out to what's uh, how are you gonna find some new business but i think a lot of people will put a lot of focus on like these non uh, non client facing activities like you know, your marketing or your your admin stuff or how can I organize myself and it just kind of pushes off like 
lowest hanging fruit is the thing you need to focus on. You know, yeah. Who's in your network? Call those people. Go meet them for coffee. Like get in front of them. Yeah. You know? I, I look. I you know I pull a lot of agents. Like when we're putting our recruiting list together, like use social media a lot because you're seeing who's doing what on social media. There's some great agents that are really doing well on social media, and they have a business behind that yeah but there's a lot of people that are just standing in front of the camera all day right yeah. as opposed to prospecting when you pull their numbers and you see like they were spending most of their time in front of the camera as doesn't, opposed doesn't to as opposed to shaking hands and signing contracts well even like um and it's funny because i think like simultaneously we we both designed like a social program you know, back when we were at remax and i know what you guys had had at blue elephant and then obviously when you launched with berkshire but that was uh, was we it you that told me that you were stealing our brochures and everything? Oh yeah, yeah we would yeah we download the brochures <laughs> yeah. and, and I think we we copied one of your websites at one point. We did that, um, but we did this I like bit of an exercise <laughs> where we like top hundred agents. And again, we didn't have the access uh, as a brokerage would, but we were able to kind of cobble like, like all the companies that give awards. Like you can figure out pretty quickly. Figure, yeah. um, so we looked at top hundred on social, and then top hundred like GCI, and there wasn't a single person on either list. Yeah. Um, and then that was like, so what? Um, uh, Lauren, who's with us, uh, she's our operations person now, but uh, back then she was our assistant. And I think what I gave her, which obviously shows my lack of knowledge of social media, I was like, okay, here's what we want. I want to have multiple posts a week, plus all of our listed and solds. Um, and uh, I don't want to have to post it, so figure out some way that you can auto-post it through some platform. Uh, oh, and uh, build us the whole year, and this is probably like a Monday or Tuesday, and have it ready by Friday. So I think like three or Build four. Build out content for the whole year? Yeah. yeah. All the comments. This all is, the, this is the like uh, the meeting that we had last week with, uh, yeah. I think it was Lauren saying when Duncan gives them the pie in the sky yes. requests. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I think three and a half weeks later, when she reemerged, um, she had finished it and uh, figured out a way for us to do just that. And I think that's one of our, like in our recruiting meetings with new agents, because uh, sometimes people think, oh, you know, we like the social and everything else. And it's like, I haven't, and we haven't posted anything in like two and a half, three years now. Um, anything that's out there is kept up to date by, um, you know, by, by someone else. Um, and, you know, like I said, we can, you know, we approve it. We know what's going to be out there, all that kind of stuff. Uh, but, um, you know, is that a good use of an agent's time or is a better use beating um, a client, uh, a friend, a new connection for a coffee and having an engaging 45 minute conversation. Like where, where will you build a relationship? Uh, through speaking through your phone and like getting a like um, or a direct message maybe at best or spending 45 minutes quality time with someone because like ultimately like your home is a pretty personal thing. Um, you know, so what is the quicker path that you're going to build trust with someone? Uh, I think it's like, that's kind of how it started. That's definitely how it started. And, and now, in touching on social, though, I do think there are uh, some elements of it that are almost becoming like a requirement now. Like it's almost like yeah, you're, for sure. it's becoming your CV in a sense. Yeah. And so uh, as much as, you know, we previously haven't been ones to get on camera and we, you know, didn't, uh, you know, we, we managed our own social very sporadically before. We definitely see the importance of it, um, but certainly it's something that we don't focus on ourselves as like the ones who create it and, and yeah. whatnot. But you know what the one thing though, and I and I learned this from uh, my days coaching hockey. I di I didn't play um, a high level myself, 
and I was very criticized because I was coaching against, like, they were dads, but the guys that played in the NHL. I'm not going to name them on here because they might see it. But <laughs> there were a number of people uh, that you would know and, and had significant NHL careers. And people would look at me and look at them, and they were like, you know, that guy has all the experience and everything else. And I remember my dad taught me that you can find people with better experience. So I know, like, my team would use, um, we used a skating coach that uh, works with NHL players, has an unbelievable track record. And, you know, over the years, like, uh, you know, our team became the best team like, in the province, and every kid could skate. Like, to the point where people were coming to us asking, well, how are you doing that? So I think with social media, and that's how we built it out, like with our marketing program, with all due respect to any realtor out there that has all these creative ideas, we can find someone better. Now, they might not be able to ever sell a house and they know nothing about sales, but we can guarantee we'll find a better social media person to run our sales team so our sales team can focus on sales. And, you know, ultimately, are you a realtor and a social media person or are you a realtor first and that's where your 100% of your focus is? Exactly. And then you're partnered with someone who's 100% of their focus is learning all about Instagram, TikTok, and anything else that comes down the pipe, yeah. um, and and then coming up with creative ideas and ways to present that, and you know that's where we feel like the advantages because ultimately everyone has the same twenty four hours. So if you're you know dictating two, three, four hours a day to social media, and our agents are spending those same times working on prospecting, building proper relationships with people, um, they might not they might lose the race in a year, but in three, four, five years. I guarantee our person's way out in front and that other person's still trying to figure out what their business is missing. Mm -hmm. So tell me, uh, with that said then, uh, you talk about your service offering, what kind of agent are you looking for? When someone walks through the door wanting to join or reaches out to you or you reach out to them, what are you looking for when, when you sit down and talk to these guys and girls? I think, I think it's, not, um, it's not so structured as it's exactly this one person. I think it can be a range of people, but I think Duncan mentioned before, it's someone who, who wants to work hard and is, is focused on prospecting and will, I guess, embrace the team too. I think like, it's interesting, like, you know, people we've recruited and some people have moved over, it takes a bit of time to understand how to use the team and how to use the support. And so I think it's someone who's willing to do that, someone who's open and beyond that, someone who just wants to improve their business. And I think the, the potential is limitless for those people that want to, want to you know, grow their business. And uh, ultimately, it's, it's, it's you know, all ages. And it could be someone whose focus is 100K, and it could be someone whose focus is a million, as long as you're willing to put in that effort and you, you kind of want to work with the team to, to push that forward. Yeah, I think, like, the, the, the big thing is... Um, because we thought it was something completely different when we started, and you know it's evolved a lot in the last like year, year and a half. But I think what, at its core, it's really someone who has like a bit of a wide lens on like what the actual job is, mm -hmm. not the perception of the job or not what uh, some of the shows will suggest the job is, yeah. um, but what the actual job is, and then the understanding that like I'm really good at this, but I'm weak here, here, and here. Mm -hmm. And so if I can trust the people around me that are stronger in things that I'm weak at, it allows me more time to focus what I'm, what I'm strong at. And then I think the other thing from a competitive standpoint, um, which I think we're, we're, we're building, which I think was probably the idea way back in the day, and again, things always run full circle, because we're not building 
mega team under one person's name, uh, everyone's getting a chance to grow their own business. Um, there is a lot of like brand, uh, like not so much brand loyalty, but more, um, you know, brand pride and like seeing anyone, um, you know, do well. So I think that, you know, we've, we've created a real team environment in the office. Uh, it, it runs just like a mega team, except you're building your own brand and your own business. Um, and again, you have all the control. And that's what we say to every agent. Um, you know, you, you serve two roles. You're your own CEO. So you set the vision for your goals and what you want to accomplish and your long view on how you want your business to be in five, 10 years. Um, and then you're your best salesperson. So then go and sell. And then, you know, we built out the other pieces that will support the business along the way. So if the person understands that, um, then, you know, we're, we're in good shape. And, and when someone says, like, I like doing paperwork or I don't mind being up at 2 o'clock in the morning on Canva doing a just listed post, um, we know that that person might not be the right fit because they, they don't want to give up the control. Um, and, and until they get to the point of something has to happen, maybe a life change, they, you know, whatever it is that where they realize, like, I can't do it by myself. Because, again, there isn't an Well, they just agent. hit a ceiling, like we, we said a few yeah. minutes ago, right? They just hit a ceiling and they plateau and they wonder why they're stuck at 150000 GCI a year and, and how they're going to break through that ceiling, mm -hmm. right? I think another thing that has become very apparent, too, through this process of growing the office is the agents have become very collaborative as yeah, well. Yeah, it's so good. So it feels like we have a really uh, And it's inclusive, very much a lone wolf industry, right? It so. is, and it feels like we have like a really inclusive group that everyone you know, wants to share their stories with one another, everyone wants to help each other out, everyone wants to see success in each other. We have a very positive office too, right? Like your, your, your support team, they're all great. You've done a great job building this team and, uh, and everybody's so friendly. But when people are in that office, everybody's smiling, everybody's working together. Like you, you, I've never seen anybody sitting alone in your office. They're <laughs> always in groups, and you know, whether it be in the boardroom or in the meeting room, and yeah. Well, I think like again, I I I'd had a background in this. I know some of the stuff. Um, like obviously, talking with Andrew, I, I'm sure there was times where he was like, "Okay, I think that's a little weird, but all right." But um, but again, I had spent so much of my younger life uh, learning about putting teams together. And again, the weird thing in Oakville. Um, you know, the parents of these kids, a lot of them were very successful in lots of different disciplines. So it was like a really weird exposure to some very, very successful people that knew a lot about putting teams together and building, um, you know, winning teams. And, and again, you know, Oakville's a very competitive community. You know, people with money, they want to win, they want their kids to win. So, you know, it's a different dynamic than other communities across the GTA. And I think that was like, you know, one of the things that we've learned which I maybe even threw you guys for a loop is like, you know, you let people be who they are and they might be the weird, weirdest personality. And we've got a couple of them that fit into that category, but they're also- I know what you're referencing right yeah, now. <laughs> I, but, but they're also like surprisingly good at their job yeah. to the point where you're like kind of confused by it because it's like, that's what I, I honestly, the big thing my takeaway from sport um, was that like, there's not a perfect, athlete and everything else but there's certain tendencies that you look for and if they've got that they might have this personality they might have that personality but it doesn't matter that person you'd want on your team and you can win with that person um, but the how they're packaged might not fit you know a, a typical um, you know traditional setting uh, I would say yeah I hear you um, <laughs> so then the new generation of agents right it's very easy for 
uh, three old guys to sit around and, and complain about the next generation because that's what every generation does, complains about the next one and the one after that. Um, but there's a lot of positives coming out with this next generation as well. So what are you seeing in the new agents? Uh, and, and, and how do we as leaders uh, work with this generation? I'd say what's really interesting about a lot of the new agents is I think they're hungry. I think they want to make a name for themselves. I think when we were talking earlier too about everyone wants to be the star of their own show, I think we're seeing that a lot through social. Mm -hmm. So there are some people who are creating a presence online and becoming kind of, not I want to say an influencer, but they're using that, those tools to, to get their message out there, get their name out there. Um, and I think there's something to learn from that in that, you know, you do need to be well-rounded. Now, ultimately, I think, you know, our, our mentality of like focus on the most hanging fruit, focus on your network, I think that's still really important. And I think that's always going to be the focus of our business. But um, you certainly have to factor in, well, can we market the house in every way possible? And I think even through COVID, that was a way of our eyes being opened up to, okay, everything has to be digital. You know, we don't print things anymore. We do everything via QR codes and websites and video and Matterport and everything like that. And I think uh, that's all the new agents know too, right? And I think that will be how in the future things things are pushed. Um, and I think ultimately too, like, you know, an agent that we've known for a little while that met with us, you know, one of his lines was, um, I'm the age or I'm the type of person who's going to be buying your house. That's why you should list with me. And it's the same type of concept in that um, the new generation, they're going to communicate in a different way. Yep. And it's something that we have to adjust to. And it doesn't mean you're going to communicate like that with that every client. No. Because there's clients of all age categories who some, some clients might still need a fax machine because they don't, you know, they don't have a computer or whatever it may be, even though, you know. We don't fax or anything like that. It's one of my biggest pet peeves when someone asks me what our fax number is. <laughs> right, right, because we, we don't really use it. But you know, it, you know, it speaks to their people of all ages and all categories who yeah. are all skill sets. And and so I think the younger generation certainly has opened, uh, you know, opened up everyone's eyes to the fact that like there are some new ways of doing things that are going to be important as we go into the future. And you know, who knows what the new technologies will be be coming out in the next couple of years anyway. I'm saying well, like, we have some big agents that um, just refuse to adopt to the the social media aspect of things mm. and I, I always tell them it's like all like, oh, those leads are terrible I'm like it's not about generating leads yeah right it's about putting yourself out there and reminding your database that you're there mm -hmm. and you're willing to transact for them and you're knowledgeable on the market right and that and, you do everything yeah. right that you do everything and more that yeah. everyone else does yeah, yeah you, st you can stay current I, if, I, if you think you're they're going to get if you think you're gonna get the business from your clients kids just because they used you then it's you know, a tough the transition. Kids, the kids are going to be looking for people that are more, yeah. you know, adapting to their style of communication. I think everyone gets into the business too, thinking, "Oh, I'm going to get my friends' parents' houses to list too," exactly. and that's yeah. not always the same transition no, either, sure. right? So yeah. it goes Sorry. both ways. Well, no, no, I was I was just going to say that with, with the younger agents, I think the big thing that I'm not hearing talked about, but I think should be really like analyzed is typically real estate was a career you started closer to 40 mm -hmm. and it also was a career that uh, with no shots at anyone in this room or anyone that's an agent that sees this but the reality was like you kind of ended up there for a reason so something probably didn't work out the way because most people don't sign up for a hundred percent commission with no weekends and you know being treated no, something happened yeah something happened they got you into real estate and that was always the way it was and there was you nothing up somewhere. yeah and, and there was nothing sexy about the industry there is nothing glamorous about the industry outside of the fact that the people drive a nice car that was always kind of the thing 
So now you've got social media. Now you've got all those shows. Uh, Selling Sunset obviously just had their new season come out, and everyone was all excited about that. Um, and I think like you've got these younger people that are looking at this as a career in their 20s, early 30s that had never done it before. And I think when you look at other industries, like the tech as an example, like why is tech always being this explosive industry? Well, because it's filled with young people that are like way, that all the technology is native to them, they understand it, they have really good ideas. So that type of person never really worked in real estate before. So now you've got like those young people coming into it way earlier than they would have, where they haven't been spit out the other side of like four or five bad career choices, and I guess I'll do this now. You know, they're starting in their early 20s um, with the full knowledge that they probably live at home and they know they can't afford a house and they know none of their friends can afford a house and they're still becoming real estate agents. So, you know, they're looking at the industry a lot more different than how people who typically would have become real estate agents would have. And I think that's what's creating a lot of this excitement. I think of the big, obviously, push on social media, which is clearly a freaking out all the, the older agents who still have all their market share and has had very little of their market share affected by all these new young agents that are all over social. That said, all the older agents are terrified of a lot of these younger agents that might sell one house in two years, yeah. but have this amazing presence on, on social media and understand it. And because, and so I think the opportunity for the older agents with all the experience is to watch what they're doing and then vice versa for the younger agents. Um, you know, the, the, it's quite simple. You have to learn from the people that are doing it the best and you're going to learn the, how hard they work. For sure. And, and, if, and if you don't want to do that, don't do this job. But, yeah. if you, but if you understand what they're doing and you can come at it from a different angle and you can stick with it long enough, you know, you're going to create something that um, you, know, you're going to, you probably haven't seen before. And I think when you look at, again, when you look at some of these big mega teams, um, you know, a lot of those agents actually started earlier than their cohorts. So they, had the, so they were the young agent for a while. And they were ahead of the curve. And then they kind of developed these mega teams. Really, Because if you look at them right across the GTA, they're all roughly around the same age. And they all were in the business prior to the internet. The internet comes in. They understand it because they're young at the time. And they build out what has basically taken over the GTA as far as market share in pretty much every market. Mm -hmm. They all have those. All those things are in common with the exception of a couple people. The concept of the sub brokerages made that much easier too, mm-hmm. like with Remax and uh, Keller and uh, um, whoever else has that. Page too. Page yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Page, yeah. It really made it a lot easier for them. Let's get into Oakville. So talk to me. Um, talk to me about the market in Oakville. Well, Mar- Oakville, I think, like I said, we we always say, uh, um, and you've heard this many times, but the reality, we always tell people that are moving to Oakville. Every year, they go to the province, they get special permission, because it's technically a city, they get special What's permission. What's the population now? Oh, I think it's like something around 180 now or something like that, or? I think it's higher than that. Is it higher than that? I don't know. I remember I growing up, you'd always go by the signs, yeah, and it always creeped up. It started like 80,000. Yeah, and there was 100, and I think it's over yeah. two now. Oh, was it over two? Okay. But, but they be, get special permission to be called a town. Um, Which I think the threshold is 100,000. I think it's 100,000. Yeah, 100,000. That's purely just for the sound of it, right? I think it's the town of Oakville. The town of Oakville. There's it'll, no benefits. There's no... It would be, no, yeah, there's just, just a town of Oakville. Just, there's on Brawny Road, uh, just north of the highway, right near, there's a big police station there. Uh, there's a tree, beautiful oak tree, and the city spent a million dollars to route the road around this tree. There's no benefit. 
at all for anyone other than a straight cost. So like usually those are the first couple stories that so you know Oakville has always had this thing about it. People typically have heard about it in the GTA. There's a perception around it and and like and we can go off on a million stories, but Oakville is this weird little community that wants to be like an old school town has a quaintness to it has a main street yeah. yeah and the people there want that that's what they're paying for when they come in and when they the people that live there work hard to uh, maintain that so if you don't know all the unwritten rules you will quickly figure out that there are unwritten rules and i think there's from a service standpoint too i think um you know it's 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 a it's a well-to-do affluent community uh, but there's a range of of homes and price points and everything but i think everyone uh, wants that level of service, regardless of which category of home you're buying. It's uh, to Duncan's point, like just the type of mentality there is high service, and uh, that's certainly what we're trying to provide, you know, with our team. But what is the average price point in um, Oakville? I was fluctuated, the board. fluctuated quite a bit, but I think like um, you know, at one point uh, in the in the peak of things, you'd get up into the, the twos. One, I thought, yeah, like we got to two. right, you got yeah. to right to two, and then it dripped all the way down to like one five. Um, but right right now, like you know, realistically, if you're getting a house and you have a million dollars, you're gonna have a, a tough time finding something that you're gonna like. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got to be in kind of the mid, you know, like the 1.5 and up, to find something that you're probably thinking you'd you'd want. Um, and I think that the big thing with Oakville is I remember like going to high school. Um, you know, everyone there basically fits into two categories. You either love Oakville and you want to stay there and you want to raise your family there or you want to get the heck out of there. And not because of anything other than like, it's a lot of work to live in Oakville because like everyone's into each other's business. Everyone knows what's going on. I know even just with some of the agents we've met from Toronto, uh, when they've said, um, you know, they've interacted with another Oakville agent, not even with the brokerage. And we're like, oh yeah, you know, that's so-and-so and and everything else. And they're like, how do you guys all know um, what's going on out there? I I equate it to a, a... Someone we know mutually that uh, who's from Newfoundland. Newfoundland's like that. Like everyone from Newfoundland seems to know each other. So I think Oakville has a bit of that to it. Um, that's a little bit different than you get in the city where you might not know, you know, four blocks over what's going on. And I think a good way to kind of compare it is like within the city, there's so many different pockets, but there are a bunch of affluent pockets that exist. You know, you've got areas of North Toronto and Midtown, you've got Kingsway, you've got the beaches. Like, I think the the, the overall feel uh, in particular, in like kind of the south part of Oakville, would be one of those little pockets, yeah. right? And, and and it's very comparable in terms of how things are done and the, t- you know, the teams that are there, the agents that are there, et cetera. So. Nice. Uh, and this, I'm going to wrap it up with the, the toughest question that everybody stresses about when I ask. <laughs> but uh, I'll, I'll start with, you know, Andrew grew up in Oakville, but he's living in Roncesville. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> this I'll, I'll get you to name it in, in Toronto, but okay. your top two favorite restaurants in Toronto. Okay, so this is, this is bad because I actually don't go often in <laughs> Rossi's to eat. So what I will say is uh, when I lived, uh, I used to live near the St. Lawrence Market, okay. and I, I'd walk uh, from like Financial Corps over to my condo for a while. Uh, I hope this is a restaurant that's still open. No, no, no. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's not, yeah, not COVID-affected. It's still open. I, I used to love going to uh, Tironi on Adelaide okay. because yeah. uh, it had just a really cool vibe. I was like, there two weeks ago. Were you there? Yeah. yeah. Like, you know, in the old courthouse, like beautiful yeah. facility, beautiful it's building. It's a great spot. It's a great, great space, spot. Yeah. It was on my walk home. Uh, in the summer, a lot of people don't know this, in the summer they have this awesome patio that's out in their courtyard 
that uh, you wouldn't even realize existed and, uh, and, and excellent, excellent Italian food. And then uh, this is probably a little cop out if it's Toronto based because I haven't been there in a while, but I used to love going there. Uh, Jacobs was a great steakhouse yeah, uh, down on, on, on Port Portland, is it? Or yeah, it's Brant. Brant, excuse me, Brant, yeah. yeah. And uh, just it was, it was kind of like an untraditional steakhouse in that, you know, the, the vibe was like it was bright, brighter lights and it was kind of cool how, uh, you know, you, you, you walk downstairs to go upstairs and everything and it just was like a high level the service. Pian that the that piano was, guy. The piano guy, yeah. yeah. And like, you, you know, the, 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 the big uh, uh, chamber of meat or whatever, the big glass display of meat. They, you know, it's just like a cool high, high service spot. And yeah, uh, yeah I, 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 love, I, to, I love Jacob. I used to enjoy life. going there, but yeah, it's been my, a little while since I've been. My so. wife and I love it. Uh, what about you? Let's go, we'll, we'll switch over to Oakville though for you. I, I'm, yeah, I'm a fan of a, a number of the places in Oakville. Um, I know, uh, um, well, there's, well, there's one, uh, I know honorable mention to that because he's now sold the restaurant. Um, George, who owned, uh, at one point he had four restaurants in Oakville. He had Brew, Seasons, Maluka, um, and, uh, oh, Corks. Um, so he was always very good to us. We did client events there and everything else. And unfortunately, um, you know, COVID affected them. And, and I mean, luckily he was able to just sell the business recently. But I would say my, my two, uh, and actually our, our neighbors in the square. So um, uh, Artur, who's the owner, and then Rafa, who's the uh, chef. Uh, they have uh, Seven and Hexagon. Hexagon's right beside our office. Where's um, Seven? I don't know Seven. Seven's like kitty corner to there. So okay. it's right underneath. It's the old post office building. So It's like under the Tommy Bahama. Okay. Yeah, it's oh. under the Tommy Bahama. And if oh, I, didn't you know, I didn't know that. I didn't know yeah, that if you haven't eaten in there, that Hexagon. is... Hexagon. I ate at Hexagon, and it's incredible. Yeah, and I think that uh, the and, and Seven's my favorite restaurant. Um, maybe I go there too much because like <laughs> usually I will, I will get like a certain table now um, that they're very good. They kind of know where like I like to sit and everything. And I they do, they switch to a QR code for the menu, which I don't need to use because I've been there enough. They already know kind of what I'm going to yeah. do. Um, but what I like about um, you know getting to know like the you know the food's <clears> fantastic. <throat> the the vibe is very different than what you'd expect. You know, it's more of kind of a Toronto vibe. Um, but the nice thing about it is that, you know, you know the, the people that work there, you know, obviously the owner. Um, and then when we actually moved over to, to Berkshire, uh, he was very, um, you know, excited because I've spent a lot of time there. So And we're, we're attached to the restaurant. And, yeah. we're, and we're attached <laughs> to the restaurant. So, yeah. And you can access it from the hallways in the inside. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And, and I think, too, like, you know, um, you know, downtown Oakville's gotten some good, uh, Soto Soto's down there now, Piano Piano's down there now. Um, uh, Oliver's, which has been there for a long time, was purchased by the fellow that I think owns Michael's on Simcoe. That's where you threw your uh, Christmas party, right? Like, um, didn't you have a Christmas dinner? Yeah, remember I stopped in. Yeah. Uh, oh, that was at that was at Seasons. That was that at Seasons. Seasons. That was yeah, at yeah, Seasons. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and they just they've just changed owners. But yeah, I think it. Uh, I would highly if anyone's not tried either of those restaurants, it's good. Uh, Hexcon just got named uh, 34 in Canada for top 100 restaurants. Um, they've been on that list now for the last four years. So. Um, yeah, the, you, you can't go wrong, and you'll be very surprised with like the, the you know, I think all their wines. No, I've, eaten, I've eaten there two or three times. And it's been yeah. absolutely incredible. Yeah. Um, where can people reach you guys? Um, what's your website? What's your Instagram handle? Well, HarveyMcCreary.com yeah. still is our, is our. We've had that for a long time, um, and then yeah, I think uh, wine is just Duncan uh, period Harvey, and, and mine's uh, Andrew dot and those are our Instagram. Instagram, and I think all those other things, and. Um, and, and like we talked about earlier, you'll get us and you'll get the our support team that also monitors our messages. So if we don't get back right away, they Someone will, else might they will, Somebody's they Someone will else remind us to do that. Yeah. yeah. Well, guys, you built a great team. Uh, you're a huge asset to us. Really appreciate your time today. And thanks. This has been great. Definitely. Yeah. Thanks, thanks for having us. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Enjoy the weekend. Yeah.